0: The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. Alternate view is have not comprehended it. Both views are valid. It's a hard decision. ESV makes overcome. There was a man sent from God whose name was John, not the writer of the book, John the Baptist. He came as a witness to bear witness about the light No one has ever seen God. The only God who is at the Father's side, really at the Father's bosom, he has made him known. I cannot let go of the prologue of John. We began prior to Christmas. Who came to Bethlehem? Who came? And in your notes, I'm going to just review the first 13 verses and then let us look with stammering lips at verses 14 through 18, with stammering lips because how do mere men explain the infinite God? Uh, I feel like uh, the man that was very uh, critical as he went to an art museum and he He's kind of an arrogant way, said to the curator, he said, is there anything here worth looking at here? And the curator said, everything in here is past the test. The only one being tested is the observer. If you can't see it, you've got the problem, bozo. This is all past the test. And so, we come to Scripture, it's past the test. Who's been examining you for 1,900 years to see if you told the truth? This revelation in the New Testament's been examined by faux critic, and so on for 1,900 years. Guess what, it's past the test. Now, let's review. Where have we been on who came to Bethlehem? Begin, you write, you pull out this paper, you take a pen, because you don't remember 95% of the brilliant things we've already said. It just went right through, because all you're wondering is who's playing. Someone told me yesterday, please pray the 49ers win. Uh, you know, uh, you remember that, but you don't remember this, so I, I'm helping you. Let, we're reviewing. The title given to one of the persons of the Trinity in 1-1 is called the... Good, good. Number two, the Word existed before anything ever began. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. Before anything ever began, He was there. Nothing ever began without the presence of the Word. We're not talking here in the Word, the Bible. We're talking about God the Son. Thirdly, the Word was having communion with one called God. The word there, he was with God. It's the word facing toward, and sometimes it's used of face-to-face communion, uh, fellowship. The idea is he's co-equal. He was on level ground with another called God. God the Father, God the Son, they were facing each other from eternity past in intimate communion. The Son was never created. The Son is not a spin-off. That's the Arian heresy that became popular in the fourth century. Jehovah's Witnesses picked it up. He's not a spin-off God. He's not a lesser God. There is a triune God, all three being co-eternal, co-equal. That's I just want to know, just be awake on it. Co-eternal, co-equal. Christ is not less God than the Father. See, but he chose to submit himself to the Father to do his will. This is what every man hopes his wife will do because she is co-equal. I'll say that again. At least you women amen She is co-equal. Co-eternal, she's looking at maybe, or or he is. Not not eternal, but co-equal, co-whatever. But not co-authority, hopefully. But I'm gonna move on. I don't wanna get into marriage right now. This is too convicting. Uh, For the word is said to be, and the word was God. Right there. So whoever the word is is God, but you've got a problem in the verse. If the word is God, who is he facing that God? Well he's facing God the Father. Okay? So we keep on. Consider what the word does. Verse two, "He is co-eternal with the Father. He was in the beginning with God the Father. And I'm just translating this God. When you come to the word God, you need to figure out which person of the Godhead he's talking about. You remember Acts 5 when uh, Peter said to Ananias and Sapphira, why have you lied to God? And he went on a few verses, why did you lie to the Holy Spirit? You see, he was talking about God the Spirit you lied to. That's scary. First people who made a pledge that didn't keep it got killed. Really scary stuff, especially as we come to another stewardship program. (laughs) I could preach on that, I guess, to start it. Um, All that had a beginning was, in verse 3, made through him, and without him and this microscope, nothing was ever made. Oh, no, no. Don't need microscopes. I don't need any scientists. This is, you know what? When they first established universities in Europe, the queen of the sciences was the theology department. They've turned it into the philosophy department. The Bible isn't philosophy. It's truth. It's the truth. And he said all things were made through him. And without him was not anything made that was made. Is that the Bible? Am I some Appalachian, uh, backwoods, scared to death of science preacher? No, I just believe the word of God. We actually took biology. We actually dissected frogs at Richmond High. We're super educated. (laughs) I got inside that frog and I became genius overnight in the biology department. Not a microphysicist, but this is God's word. He set up all of physics. He set up every true law of thermodynamics. Every law that is true law, God set it in motion and he holds it together according to Colossians. Everything coheres by the word of his power. Well, he says in verse 4, we're just reviewing here, in him was life, and the life was the light of men. Uh, What what he's saying here, ancient theologians called this aseity, the Latin word is aseity. He has self-existent life. Uh, All of you were procreated. And at times, you think, came from another planet. No, you were procreated. Uh, You're you're a product of parents. Christ is the uncaused cause. God is the uncaused cause, and that is uh, a mind stretching. Who got God started? Uh, When did God start keeping time? Think of it. There was a time when there was no time. There was a time when there was no created matter there was no such thing as space. There was no such thing as time. There was no such thing as anyone but the three persons of the Godhead, and they were blessed, they were happy, and they had no compulsion upon them to create anything they created. There was no need in them that would be fulfilled in creating. They were already, uh, all their needs were being met in each other. That's hard to believe, isn't it? That God was happy without you. God didn't need you to make him happy. Would we make God happy? We've we've caused him more pain, I think, than happiness until we decide to uh, cooperate with him. But he's put up with a whole lot. I think he puts up with many times more than he gets. You know, we make a whole lot of, why don't you give Christ your life? Wait, let me, I just want, I don't want to make you feel bad, If you give him everything you got, when you talk about who you're giving it to, it's not worth much. You think it's a whole lot. But we're talking about becoming to a majestic creator that needs nothing, and you say, Lord, I just want to give you everything. Well, what is that? 80 fillings, nearsightedness, arthritis. uh, I mean, oh, I just surrender all. Well, there ain't much you surrendered. So quit being so tight about it. Why don't you give him what's left? You made a wreck out of what you got. Why don't you give him what's left? All of you. Make your theme song be, why not take all of me? Because you're still not getting a lot. Living, I'm not a burnt sacrifice, but that happens in our kitchen. But I, I want it to be a living sacrifice. No, keep on, we have this, there's too many people in a sarcastic mood. Uh, number six, the darkness of the world was not able to overcome the light, the life of Christ. Now that's one view, they, they couldn't conquer it. Another view, and lexically this is true, it could be they didn't comprehend it, which means, and, and it's a lexical, it's a, a true usage, they didn't comprehend the light when it came, and that's true also. So either way, the word, six, is the title for Jesus Christ, was not recognized by his people or the world. That's an amazing thing for your own artwork not to recognize you. The artist comes into the laboratory, as it were, comes and visits his creation on the earth, not just stars, planets, and angels, but to the earth. And the tragic thing is, uh, they didn't know who was among them. There was no aura that shined out of his bedroom at Nazareth. Nobody knew he's anything but uh, their rumored child of fornication, son of Joseph, carpenter. No, nobody was calling him God. And think of the 30 years at Nazareth, the silence. They fled to Egypt. They went to the temple about 12. He he confounded the teachers of the law, goes back to Nazareth. Wouldn't you think if God lived in your neighborhood, he'd start preaching a little bit younger? Just three years. Just three years. Just three years did he declare, I'm God. 30 years of silence. Nobody knew it but Mary. Even John began to doubt it when he was in prison. Have I been right about my cousin? I said he was the Lamb of God. I just don't know. And Christ had to send his disciples. Tell them the blind see, the deaf hear, the dead rise. You weren't wrong, John. I am who you said I was. I really am the Son of God. Well, he um, says... In verse 12 One can know Jesus Christ by receiving him, which is the same as believing in him. And in the book of John, it's interesting. I'll just say this that believe in John is used several ways because there's times it said those who believed in him went back never to follow him again. Kind of interesting. Other places in John, it says they believed in him and they had eternal life. So, believe we don't have time to go into, what does it mean to believe in Jesus Christ? Does it mean to just uh, mentally assent he was a historical figure? Well, most men have to admit that. That doesn't make them Christians. Believing is a loaded word. It really does mean I believe who you say you are. I believe in the work you'll do at the cross, and I believe you so much that you become the one who tells me what to do. You become Lord. A Christianity without a Lord is a make-believe religion. There's got to be one boss, and it's not you. That's what's wrong with some of your lives. You're still the boss. You've always been the boss, but you named the name. But the foundation of God standeth sure, having this seal, the Lord knoweth them that are his, and let those who name his name depart from iniquity. 2 Timothy 2.19. God knows who's his. Do you know him, and does he know you? Now let me stumble and stagger through verses 14 through 18. Would you bear with me? Verse 14. I preached from this verse. I was looking up my old outlines. I've got people in this church. They remind me when I do an old one. I'm glad you're taking notes. But I, uh, I have pages on just verses 14 through 8, and I've never been adequate at sharing it, so bear with me. Verse 14, the one called the Word in verse 1 is the Word in 14, and the Word that created, the Word that had fellowship with the Father, the word that was before anything ever began, the word who created all of creation, matter, space, time. And the word, in the first verse, it said the word was always existing, but here he uses a, a verb, he became something he never was before. He became flesh, he became human. Now, what's interesting about it, he never ceases to re- retain this humanity. Through eternity, Christ will retain a human body, the only member of the Trinity that will have a... We still don't know if we'll see God the Father. Everybody tells me, will we see him? I don't know. I hope so. But seeing Jesus will satisfy you. If you seen me, you've seen the Father, Philip. John 14, 9. If you've seen the son, you've seen the full revelation of the father, so he came, became something he never was for eternity. He steps from spirit, immaterial matter to adopting a body so real that Mary had a real placenta, a real fetus, and gave birth to a real baby boy and changed the diapers of God. We don't like it as Protestants, but we can't say Mary was the mother of God when you can't talk about the humanity, but Protestants don't like that. But this God boy, just imagine changing God's diapers. That according to Psalms 22, when Jesus was nursing at Mary's breast, according to Psalms 22, He was trusting in God while he was at his mother's breast. He was just looking up to God and said, I can imagine saying to the Father, who could have ever imagined you would see the second person of the Godhead at the bosom of a frail Jewish woman? An amazing condescension. I used to love to hear the Christmas of down from his glory. Oh, what condescension. The word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we've seen his glory, glory as of the only Son from the Father, full of grace and truth. And the word dwell is the word askenae, to tent, to camp out. It was the word used in the uh, Septuagint of the tabernacle. The only time that God ever really put himself on display to a people was when he told Moses, I'll dwell in this tent. I'll show off my glory inside this tent. You'll have to move through your wilderness wanderings. I'll be dwelling over the mercy seat. And, And this seems to be the idea, God decides to camp out among us, and he did it in the body of Christ so that Paul says in Colossians 2.9, the fullness of the Godhead dwelt in him in a body. All the deity you could ever want was walking around Palestine and nobody knew it was God. It's amazing. I mean, there was no, because uh, usually when you talk of the glory of God, you thought of uh, lightning, thunder, uh, great manifestations of light, uh, some kind of a physical manifestation. And here he veils all that glory, brings it in without giving it up, but he, he just veils it and said, I will be God among them without ever being recognized. For I didn't come to be just put on display. I came to die. Then he goes on and tells about John. John preached about him. And uh, John uh, keeps saying, this is the one. I think the word, word that John even picked, think of this. When was the last time God had been heard from? before you get to the Gospels. About 400 years, God had shut the mouths of prophets. You had Simeon at the temple. You had Anna. You had Zechariah, the father of John the Baptist. I mean, you had people who were God's people, but there was no word from heaven for 400 years You've got these invaders, you've got the Babylonians, you've got Medo Persia, you've got Greece, you get Babylon, and you come down here to Rome with that boot on the neck of the Jewish nation. You've got Judas Maccabeus fighting in, in the Inter Testament period. Come on, revolutionaries, zealots! But Israel had no word from God. God said, I've had it, I don't have anything to say. You've chosen other gods. You've gone whoring after the nations, as he called it. You've gone into your idolatry. I have nothing to say. And you can imagine, if he ever would talk to us again, what would he say? The first time he started talking was when a baby started crying in Bethlehem. God says, I want to talk again. And what I've got to say, I'm going to say, I said in Matthew 21, the man owned the land, and when he was time to gather the crops from it, he sent his servants. They beat up one servant. They killed another and threw him outside the vineyard. And he sent other servants. They killed them. Finally, he said, you know what? They're not getting the message. I'll send my son. Surely they'll give me what I am due for my land. And they, he sends the son, and what do they do but kill the boy and throw him outside the vineyard and say, don't send us any more messengers. And so God is saying in Jesus, human race, I'm going to say everything I've got to say to you, and I'm not sending a prophet. I'm not sending a dream. I'm not sending a vision. I'm sending one right from the bosom of the Father. And he's going to come, and he's going to say everything I want to say to you. He is my last word to the human race. Hear Jesus, or you'll get no other words from God, but depart from me. I never want to hear from you again. Unless you hear this voice, there is no hope. He goes on, and he goes in verse 18 and says... He contrasts 17, for the law was given through Moses. Grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. Now, there was grace and truth in the Old Testament, but not to this fullness. This is the epitome of it in a human revelation. And he says, no one has ever seen God. That's remarkable, isn't it? Because there's places that said he talked face to face with Moses. There's places where people said, we saw God. But every revelation of God in the Old Testament was veiled. You, uh, he told Moses, I'll pass by you, and I'll let you see the afterglow. One trans- I'll let you see my hinder parts. I, you can't see me without being consumed. He said that in Exodus 33 and 34. So so they no one ever seen the unmitigated presence of God. No one ever seen the essence of God. No one ever seen this much God in one place without being consumed. And now all the God you could ever get, when you get to heaven, you'll never see any more God Now was living at Nazareth, unrecognized, with no aura, with no halo, just laboring in a shop, and finally comes out and starts preaching. And they say, who is this reprobate? Who is this false teacher? And he said, no one's ever seen God at any time. But when he sent the word, You've seen God in a body, and you weren't burned up. After 400 years, after exile, after idolatry, after all of our sin, you would think when God showed up, he would bring someone to destroy us, and he sent someone to save us. It's amazing. Someone to save us. So he said, the only God, monogonese." the only one of its kind, really three words for Christ here. The one and only, that's one title. The one and only, comma, John Murray, quoting, comma, God, comma, the one from the Father's bosom. Three titles of Christ, the one and only, not just son, he's, there's not another one like him. Two, he is deity. Don't ever come to me and say, well, there's no place the Bible says Jesus is God. You just haven't read your Bible. John 5, 17, he said, My father worketh hitherto, and I worked, thus making himself equal to God. They understood it, picked up stones to stone him. They knew he was making God his equal. He was equal to the Father. John 10:30, I and my Father are one thing. Romans 9:5, the only God, speaking of Christ, who is God forever. Jesus Christ has said over and over and over, He is God. He's not a philosopher, He's not a prophet only. He is God in the flesh. And anyone who says he didn't come in the flesh is Antichrist. First John 4. By the way, Chesterton once said we put modesty in the wrong place. We never have to be modest about truth. We ought to be modest about ourselves, but don't ever be apologetic about the truth. The truth is the truth whether it's humble or proud. It's either right. Two plus two is four, whether it's humble or proud. Where we ought to be humble is about us. We ought to be humble that we can hold the truth. And he says here, no one's ever seen God until Christ came, undiminished God, the only God, monogamous, one of a kind, God who is at the Father's side. He has made him known. And this word to make him known meant to uh, tell a narrative, to tell a story. It was used that way. We get our word, us guys, it took a little bit of Greek, enough to be confused, uh, was to uh, uh, exegete, to lead something out. But it was used also of telling a narrative, uh, of telling a story. And the only one of his kind, the one who is God, the one straight from the bosom of the Father, he has led God out, And you know what the message was? Grace and truth. Moses brought that which condemned you. Moses brought that which shuts your mouth up, and the whole world is found guilty. You're living under the Ten Commandments. Have you broken any lately? How how about uh, lusting for something that's not your own? How about uh, loving God with all your heart, mind, soul, and body? You've never done that one day of your life. None of you, unless you were asleep. Very little of us have loved God with everything about us in every waking moment. No, the first two commandments slay us. Love my neighbors, myself. You've got to be kidding. It's my place in the line, and it's my place on the freeway, and you better move over. <laughs> because I showed up, Now I'm not thinking, oh, you want cuts? Oh, I just feel let of God go ahead. No, but in the natural, I'm going to say, come here. We let us talk. I was here first. Do you understand that? Richmond High, that means you get smacked if you get in front of me. Now, I'm just talking off the record. I'm not preaching. (laughs) It is not in our nature to be preferring, preferring. Once in a while, once in a while, we let God fill us so much, we prefer somebody over ourselves. Those are your greatest moments. Your worst moment is studying your navel and wondering why you're not better and more recognized because you're preoccupied with yourself, and you can't promote Christ and promote yourself. And until you want to promote him, why would he want to promote you? Who are you promoting? He said, God sent Christ. Who came to Bethlehem? God. Why did he come? John could have picked all the words in the world, but he said, God's final narration for history the one that will ride in at the end of history and he will ride on a stallion with a word written across his garment it says the word of god and he will slay his enemies just by the word that rides through the heaven says i said everything about grace and truth and if you don't accept that all i've got left is judgment so you must come to christ If you want to know God, don't take a philosophy course. Read the Gospels over, I would say, 50 times. If you're an atheist here today and you really want to know what we're all about, study the life of Christ. Read it about 50 times. If you get started now, oh, you can do that. You can read through the Gospels about five times a month. It's not that much reading. Uh, you, You just got to get with it. How many of you read the Gospels through this year? We used to sing more about Jesus, what I know. More of his love to others show. More. Then we go into the chorus, more, more about Jesus. More, more about Jesus. He is the full revelation of God. You'll never know more about God than what you know about Jesus. He brings God from out from the curtains to full display. We're going to uh, ask you to consider giving a love gift to him. Do you, Have you ever learned that an offering envelope can be an act of worship? If it has not become an act of worship, we'll still receive it. We'll still give you a receipt, but you'll get no credit for it with God. He would like for you to say, Lord, this is what you put in my hands that you've made me steward over. And the last person I want to be stingy with is you and your word. You know, none of our children buy their Sunday school literature. None of our young people Most of them cannot pay their way to our camps. Most of them can't pay for, uh, we wouldn't have one youth pastor if it was for youth. We only have it because adults give. Uh, uh, We don't have one teenager over there that underwrites one-tenth of anyone's salary in their department. Guess who does it? We do. Because we would rather them have a youth pastor than to have a truant officer. best use of your money our father we thank you that we get to give to such an awesome God who ultimately you don't need anything but I need to conquer this stingy greedy heart and you've given me the avenue of giving where I can do it with joy where I can do it with uh, uh, peace uh, with hilarity I just pray, Father, that you'll bless this offering. You got us through a, a tough year last year, Lord. Uh, we didn't know if we were going to make it in April. We, we were in dire straits, and your precious people gave, and you heard us. We, I can't stop talking about it because I know how close to the brink we were. Thank you. Thank you. Receive this offering. Receive. Praise for you're worthy of it. And Father, thank you for speaking loud enough in the sun that he spoke to my heart one day. I heard his voice. I heard his voice in South 15th and Cutting in 1958. He spoke loud enough to save me. I can never say thank you enough. Thank you for speaking loud enough for a rebel's heart to hear you. Bless this offering in Jesus' name, amen.